Welcome to When Life Gives You Raspberries, the Cavernoma podcast where we discuss all things Cavernoma. Welcome everyone to When Life Gives You Raspberries. I'm Jade. And I'm Ilsa. And we're your hosts for the first ever podcast all about Cavernoma. We'll be chatting about all the things that aren't usually spoken about, from specific symptoms and what it's like to experience them, to the day-to-day struggles that come with having a cavernoma. We'll be opening up about our own cavernoma stories and chatting to special guests about their expertise and experiences. We'll also be answering any questions you have about living with cavernoma. So if you do have any questions for us, just email podcast at cavernoma.org.uk. While we might consider ourselves cavernoma experts from our own experiences, we're not medical professionals, so unfortunately we can't answer any case-specific questions. If you do have specific medical concerns, please contact your clinician and seek medical advice from a doctor. Welcome back to another episode of When Life Gives You Raspberries. We're super excited today because we have got the lovely Robin Hughes as our guest and she is a therapist. Um, How are you, Elsa? I'm good. I'm fine. I'm just um, recovering from what has been a pretty hectic month. May has been pretty busy. You got married. I did, (laughs) yeah. So I, um, first time in a long time, I took uh, three weeks of annual leave, and I went uh, to Spain. My husband now, he's Spanish. So we um, spent three weeks over there, and we got married, and it was really, really lovely. So exciting. Yeah, I'm just kind of um, in the sort of rest and recover mode. <laughs> it was all yeah, goal, was... you know, it's a bit hectic <laughs> that kind of time. So we... And we've, we've spoken before about we love weddings, but yeah. you know, you have such a big build up and how we deal with it with Cavanoma. So yeah. how did you deal with it that it was your wedding? Um, I actually made it so, so it was a bit of a shorter day, honestly. Um, in terms of the actual wedding day, it was a Saturday and um, we kind of didn't start till mid-afternoon and we did eight hours. I know most weddings that I've been to at least are kind of a bit longer, 12 hours, but I just thought, no, I, c- I can't actually do that. So I just yeah. kept it shorter and just had a really great time. I think as well on that day I was, or on that whole weekend, it was kind of like running on adrenaline and pure joy and happiness you know having all your family I had loads of people maybe like a hundred people on my side of the family and friends that have traveled wow yeah (laughs) Spanish people have big weddings typically anyway so that's so lovely it's like people traveling from all around the world and I think that sort of happiness and joy just kind of kind of give you the energy to keep going yeah um so we did kind of a three-day thing when we were all together and it was just so much fun and um yeah afterwards I uh, came back to Norway and I've been sleeping ever since <laughs> oh just making up for it yeah exactly and oh what- I'm so glad you had the most lovely time though thank you um it was great. So, yes congratulations thank you and how have you been you've been yeah I'm just here there and everywhere abs- haven't you I have. I'm absolutely exhausted, to be honest. Mm. Um, I went on a lovely holiday with my other half, Paul, just the two of us, which was so needed. Where did you Um, go? We went to Croatia. Nice. Um, Highly recommend. It's beautiful. But Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about anybody else. 
we want to get like a super early fight in the morning to make the most of the day when we get there yeah um and I just as much as the day after that and then the time I'm on holiday is absolutely amazing with like lots of sleep and relaxation and sun and all the things that make me feel good but that first day um I find really exhausting and then I end up feeling quite rubbish on the evening of the first day and I've got used to that in time that that's how it works but it's just a bit frustrating I guess that I know that the first day Mm -hmm. is going to be so exhausting and then I kind of end up making up for that on holiday um and then since we've been back we've just had loads of stuff at home that we've needed to do and the kids social life is crazy and working so much so yeah I'm just very exhausted at the minute um hopefully that'll get better over the next couple of weeks yes you really need to look after yourself (laughs) I do (laughs) and and take on board some of the things that uh, maybe we're having a chat with Robin about today definitely um and I'm I'm you know happy to be transparent and open and I've had therapy with Robin myself and I highly recommend it. Um, I didn't think I needed it, but um, it's been such an amazing tool for me, especially talking to somebody that is outside of my life, if that makes sense. Yeah. Someone that's not connected to, you know, my friends or family or me. Yeah. So I really highly recommend therapy. Have you had it, Elsa? I have, yeah. I had it when I was living in Edinburgh. Um, I didn't start therapy until maybe about two and a half years after my diagnosis um, because I think I was in the thick of the physical recovery for that long that I didn't really know that I had been affected mentally and emotionally till that sort of delay two years down the line Um, but no I had it in Edinburgh I um, was obviously I wasn't working at the time so one of the barriers sometimes to um, therapy is the price of it but actually I managed to find in my local area um a therapy um uh what would, I say, what would I say an office that was um offering sessions on a sliding payment scale depending on your income and your circumstances so that's something I would definitely look out for in your local area as well if you are considering going to therapy yeah. I know the cost of it is is often a barrier for people especially if they're not working uh due to ill health yeah. so yeah that's something to think about. but I I loved it I found it transformative for me I found it helped me so much and I'm so grateful that I did it I'm so happy that I did it um so I'm looking forward to having a chat with Robin all, with, about all these things me too and as you say you're you was in the thick of it so you didn't have it until you were two two and a half years in and actually mm-hmm. for me it was 12 years in which is crazy yeah. you know it was it was a lot later in my journey that I decided that I was going to have it um even though I didn't think I needed it and as you said it's a transforming you know um time for you and your how you're feeling about yourself and I just feel differently about my situation and Mm -hmm. it just kind of makes you you know look at every aspect of your life in a transformative and explorative way um so and like you said (laughs) like you said it just gives you the tools really to to go about your life given your new circumstances it's that toolkit that's so so important and helpful and I think absolutely I think as well um sometimes therapy gets uh or people can be scared of therapy um or scared of accessing a therapist um because they they think of it as like a top-down approach where there's 
you know, somebody who's professional and qualified telling you what to do and how to think and how to be and how to fix your problems. But in actual fact, that's not the case at all. It's very different from a sort of typical medical relationship back and forward. It's much more relational, isn't it? It's somebody who isn't, you know, in the same town as you, but at the same time, it's a much more, um, I can't really think of the word to describe it, but the relationship is a lot different Mm -hmm. to what you'd expect. It's a lot more personal Um, and a lot more care-based I would say yeah personal definitely yeah so yeah let's get into the episode shall we We're really lucky to be joined by today's guest, Robin Hughes. Robin is a qualified therapist who has been working with CAUK to support cavernoma patients and their families for many years. Welcome, Robin. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Jade. Hi. Good morning, Robin. Hi, Elsa. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, Pleasure. Robin, start just by telling the listeners a little bit about your background as a therapist and and how you came to work with CA UK? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to share that. Um, I mean, firstly, I've got to say what a privilege it's it's been to be involved in Cabernet Reliance over the years. It must be about five and a half or six years. I run out of years. You know, with the pandemic, we sort of lost years, didn't we? But it must yeah. be about five yeah. and a half or something like that. <laughs> and it's such a wonderful organisation with its members at its very heart, which I, I feel is really important to mention. People with lived experience of the condition, which is obviously you know, unique to all individuals and are central to its whole ethos as an organisation. And then it's important to stress, you know, either those diagnosed or those connected to the person and the diagnosis, family, loved ones, extended family, etc. So my first encounter was at a wonderful, <laughs> crazy, sparkly, cupcakey experience at Cava Families Residential <laughs> um, in, in Derbyshire. I come from Derbyshire. I live in Derbyshire. Um, it was a wonderful introduction, <laughs> wonderful introduction to so many of the families that have been part of the organisation for so many years. Myself as a counselling therapist and Fiona, who's the play therapist, we offered a space to explore what living with cavernoma brings on a one-to-one couples family-based sessions during this residential um I always I always tell people that I don't personally live with a cavernoma myself this feels important to say that I'm not an expert in the condition but the very reason I'm a therapist is due to my late dad Norman having a brain virus encephalitis when I was five years old and he survived but was profoundly affected by this and it changed everything he was a teacher one day and then unable to communicate the next. And I remember teaching him to count to five when I was five, which is a powerful thing that I share with people. Wow. Yeah, yeah. definitely. His, his road to wellness or improved wellness was a long one and, and didn't have an end to it, if you know what I mean. It didn't, it didn't have a goal to it. It was taking every day as it came, really. And what for me and my family was so apparent as I grew was there was no emotional support available for us in the late 70s. We or the mid 70s we weren't it just wasn't part of it there was some speech therapy there was some this there was some that but in terms of what we were going through as a dynamic in our family there was nothing so once I reached adulthood um, I trained to be a play worker and a youth worker and supported young people with various conditions disabilities all sorts of stuff neurodivergent stuff And I qualified as a talking therapist in my 40s and my family currently lives with long-term long-term health condition again not cavernoma and I really wanted to expand my offer of working therapeutically with young people to working across the adult age range as well 
So I'm something called psychodynamically trained, which sounds like a big long word, <laughs> doesn't it? It sounds like uh, I use a couch and um, therapize. Lots of funny memes about that, but I don't do that. It's about being interested in our relationship with ourselves and others, our conditions that we live with. We all have stuff in our lives, history in the present, patterns, stuff that emerges for us. I like the phrase is what happened to us, not what not what's wrong with us. I've lived with anxiety on and off throughout my whole mm-hmm. life. Um, and that stuff that happens to us might play out later on in our lives. And I think it does. You know, we haven't just been plonked on this planet the age we are. And the words triggers and trauma are two really important words in, in the therapeutic world. And that trauma of all sorts is a very part of being human. It's not just associated with soldiers on the front line. It's a, it's about, you know, having an unwell episode, having a brain bleed, having something happen in our lives that is 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 really big, you know. Um, I realise I'm really going... Blah, 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 blah. I could literally no, no. talk all day about this. Me too. What an <laughs> yeah. incredible background you have. Oh, thank you. Goodness. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't, yeah. Yeah, but thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fascinating. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, but that's just, that's, that's just, and I think that's a useful thing though, isn't it? Because we do tend to go, yeah, well, this life happens, you know, this happens. Yeah. But actually our stories are really, they really hold great value in our wellness, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And me training to be a therapist has helped hugely with my mental health and all the stuff that's that I wonderful. went through as a young person. Um, so I kind of describe myself as an a holistic integrative therapist, again, big okay. words, um, <laughs> drawing on different modalities of therapy. You know, if I always joke with people, if someone wants a worksheet, which is often a cognitive behavioral therapy, which is something that's free and available on the NHS, and I always say to yep. people, go get some this is great and this might really suit how you operate as a human you know I've had CBT before and um, it helped to some degree but what helped was the relationship with my therapist which was interesting Uh, but if anyone wants a worksheet I'm happy to source one yes absolutely (laughs) we can also if you said they're available maybe on on the NHS online or something Mm -hmm. we can maybe add that to the link in the show notes yeah really important ethically for me to say that because I do have my own private counselling practice as well as working with different agencies agencies um but really important and um I guess I'm extremely interested in our whole self not just our thinky brain bit Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know you know it's really important our thinky brain bit Um, (laughs) I'm not sure mine is actually but anyway (laughs) but I'm our bodies really do hold the score there's a wonderful book called the body holds the score and and such really important in our understanding about what's going on for us in this present moment you know when you feel that fluttery tummy or you feel that wave of heat up your spine or your back or you know something that you feel in your body wherever that's located in your body and however that manifests and which is different for everybody it's a really important thing to tune into and listen to because our thoughts can be um, very monkey chimp like can't they they yeah. can be oh, catastrophe like, oh, you know yeah. they can go off in all sorts of directions I'm not saying that our brains and our thinking isn't important but our, our whole selves is so I guess I'm yes. really interested. yeah sorry more that, that kind of connection between your thoughts and your feelings it is to them too as a combination rather than just separating them out not it is. understanding that the two are very well connected 
yeah, yeah. they really are connected and our, our kind of body felt senses come much quicker than our thinky yes does, which is so interesting yes. and I've really learned loads about that in my therapy journey and in my uh, practice yeah. as well and it's developing all the time our understanding it gives me great hope this stuff does because you know I can try and think my way out of something and it sometimes doesn't work but feeling yeah. my way out of it can really give me information <clears throat> excuse me yeah. so I'm, I'm kind of interested in the toolkit that we already possess that will contain many ways of navigating what life throws at us you know humans are incredibly resourceful at, at, at kind of having to deal with really tough stuff you know our bodies are fragile our, we're mortals you know things happen don't they yeah. um and I recognise that some of some of these coping strategies are sort of healthier than others. And I personally tend to overwork when I'm going through challenging life situations, um, which speaking out loud makes me think, why do I do that? Yeah. <laughs> the coping mechanism, isn't it? <laughs> it is absolutely a coping mechanism and it distracts <laughs> me really well from what's yeah. happening in life. But, and then I put in my text, it's a big but, I don't mean bottom here, I mean it's a big <laughs> but. It leads to burnout and me not taking yeah. care of my whole self. So I'm very good at distracting yeah. and getting involved in all these wonderful things but actually my body mind and soul starts to starts to be effective and and I believe we've all got creative coping strategies to draw on but sometimes it feels like the toolkit under great stress gets chucked under the bed and locked away and we can't access yeah. it you know, we can't access it and by connecting with another human in a relational dynamic because that's what therapy is it's a relational experience together we can explore kind of what helps what doesn't help what's healthy patterns what defenses are playing out you know absolutely yeah. uh, and just to finish off that question I yep. know I've rumbled. <laughs> not at all <laughs> no at all um living with a long-term health condition a rare condition brings with it so many things mm-hmm. and they're not all bad things but I've been speaking to people lately about this toxic positivity culture that we're in yeah about um it happened for a reason no it didn't and at this point I might swear but I won't um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> blinking well didn't happen for a reason and it doesn't make us necessarily stronger it teaches us things yeah Yes, but I I wish none of these things would happen to any of us. You know? Yeah. But I use the sort of analogy that the condition or a condition moves in to our home. It brings its suitcases. And as an uninvited house guest, you know, that great auntie Mabel that might have come for Christmas once just because you felt like you had to invite (laughs) her. (laughs) Sorry, Mabel, if you listen. (laughs) I don't have a great auntie Mabel. (laughs) The house house guest isn't always well behaved. The house guest, Mm -hmm. if you're you're following me, leaves its dirty pants all over the floor. It misbehaves in unpredictable ways ways and everyone in the home and the environment experiences the house guest differently and this is a guest that doesn't leave and it's kind of a carrying the thing that might not be able to be fixed I know we're making huge developments in terms of surgery and options for folks but yeah and I think that's quite a powerful thing the thing that might not be able to be fixed how do we carry that how do we live well enough with that Right. I really, really love your analogy of that, Me Robin. Um, Me. And thank you so much for sharing your career and actually your 
personal experiences as well um, yeah. I think that enables the listeners to kind of connect with you on a different level um, yeah definitely <laughs> and I, I don't you know I know we have to be boundaried and yes confidentiality and all of that but I would only ever serve share anything about my own life if it's in service of the client because we're human you know and that's really yeah. important to me yeah, so thank you for sharing. Mm. Um, and I've got the next question for you. So you have worked with a lot of cavernoma mm. patients over mm-hmm. the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, did you find that people reach out to you at all stages of their journey or mm-hmm. a specific stage? Yeah, all stages, absolutely all stages. It's really varied when people feel the need to connect. And like you said, Elsa, at the beginning, sometimes people don't feel able to connect. And I'm really interested in that too. You know, Mm -hmm. I think therapy as a thing, we think of it as being American still. (laughs) You know, I'm in therapy. Um, (laughs) Actually, more and more of us are reaching out because we realise that this might actually help us. But Um, From diagnosis to periods of unwellness to possible treatment options and the considerations around that, all parts of a journey with this condition have an emotional context. And I think sometimes when we're out of that initial fight experience, I know with my husband's health condition, it was, right, we're going to beat this, let's Mm -hmm. go, you know, let's find out all we can, let's get all the experts, let's do this, that and the other. And then it was about two years afterwards, it's like, oh dear, what's just happened? Yes, I think Mm -hmm. that's something that we see quite quite regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, Initially, that was definitely the experience that I had that, you know, you kind of feel strong and resilient in the first little while and you just kind of, you focus on the physical and you focus on, you know, recovering mm. your body. And then somewhere down the line, you kind of think, oh, mm. this, okay, my now my it's more like my emotions and my mental, the, the way mm. I'm thinking about myself and my identity that are um, that are causing me so, some sorts of issues. But yeah. maybe, <clears throat> maybe we could, uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about kind of the most common things that people you you see that people struggle with at these different stages and we could start potentially the newly diagnosed what are the sort of the main themes if you like that yeah the main themes within thanks Elsa and thanks for sharing your experience and I could talk all day to the both of you about (laughs) (laughs) And and I know this isn't the space and time but that's really helpful isn't it to to understand that we we go and we thought right let's let's drink green tea until it's coming out of my very toes which is probably very good for us I'm not saying it's not but it's a yeah it's all strategies so thanks for sharing that but I think with the newly diagnosed we had um, a living with cavernoma group recently online that was specifically a focus around diagnosis because I think we recognize that um yeah this this is a this is a wow that's the word (laughs) that's the word and so using that as an example we we the body felt sensations when receiving a cavernoma diagnosis or being present when a loved one received a cavernoma diagnosis words have their uses um and I think if any of us has been in any of those types of diagnostic meetings it all becomes a bit of a blur doesn't it oh, yeah. Blur, blur. yeah and you forget things immediately you totally forget yeah. and then they're using a language that we might not understand because yeah. they've, had, they've got 68 degrees you know in in brainy stuff and um yeah and everyone's had different experiences of being told this information but Words have their uses, but the body felt sensations are often difficult to describe. And we in the group looked at sort of images 
important kind of metaphor to find a language to describe our felt experience. So mm. I just pulled up loads of pictures of roller coasters. My personal one is a heavy goods train that ran over me and my family once oh, and then it backed up again. <laughs> over again, you know, or a rabbit in the headlights, a hurricane, a light bulb moment, somebody mm -hmm. said, where they felt everything fell into place and started to make sense. So it's not necessarily a kind of right, a. Yeah, a that's interesting. Yeah, is it interesting? And someone also said we actually had someone speaking to us from hospital on that group which I thought was oh, fascinating yeah. as a newly diagnosed person and um, she felt actually quite grounded because she'd got the information that she needed mm -hmm. um, to start working this thing out if we can and that's that's a, yeah. another conversation isn't it but yeah words like shock confusion frustration anger um, yeah. relief relief was in there so so they're all of these things are commonly felt human emotions at different stages in our lives. And I think there's a lot of work to be done around the diagnosis stage, I feel, mm -hmm. um, at a health level, at, a, at an NHS level. But I think they might have other things there. Yeah, that's a, another discussion for another day. Yeah. <laughs> and what what about the word? The word that comes up quite a lot um, is uncertainty. So, yeah. can you speak a bit about how how you experience with your mm. patients or your clients? Mm -hmm. um, it's the biggest word right mm -hmm. and that thing about you know living with the uncertainty living with the not knowing we're as humans we're desperate to know aren't we we're desperate to be able to manage and control mm -hmm. something and ultimately at ph philosophical level we we really can't can we <laughs> any level with right. a funny place in in my in my heart <laughs> you know because but we it's understandable why we try to control things because because um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so uncertainty, and I guess that again is the body felt thing. Noticing when we're having a wobble about not knowing, and how on earth ultimately how on earth we live well enough with this mm -hmm. does that make sense oh Is absolutely that no yeah. that makes complete sense and I'm sure everybody yeah. listening can relate to that yeah. yes I'm absolutely sure it's it's and we can't manage that all the time and I think self-compassion is a massive oh, yeah. area that we need to be better at absolutely <laughs> You Definitely. know, <laughs> when we have wobbles, because we all do for whatever reason, and it doesn't mean we're broken or or, or in need of therapy, you know, it doesn't mean that at all. Um, very natural, isn't it? Yeah, it's very, very natural. Yeah, very natural. Um, and where we place it, you know, where we place the condition, and often if there is, if it's symptomatic, if you are experiencing this at a bodily level, you know, that brings with it stuff, doesn't it? Because mm -hmm. it's a reminder that, oh, what's that? What's that tweak? What's that? What's that? You know, is yes. that something? Oh, yeah. Every time something comes you, up. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. think, oh, is that, is this going to happen? Am is I, this is going this, to happen? Is this the start of something? Happens? Yeah. 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 So again, learning learning to not only notice what the body's telling us, noticing yeah. if we're obsessing and fo over focusing on what the body's telling us. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've had this actually before. This probably is because I've just been to Glastonbury for three days, and I'm absolutely. Oh wow! I haven't. I haven't. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. Watching Castine. Uh -huh. I wish I had, but, anyway. <laughs> but no, my idea of a nightmare. That um, you know, 
So looking at the whole picture, what's been going on in my life around this time? Um, and then often there's other things that have been going on, you know, yes. normal life things that have been going on. And and honestly, the pandemic has had a massive effect on, on us all. It really has. And even though the Cavanoma community, I would say, generally speaking, going, yeah, pandemic so what you know I've had brain surgery last week and that's really mm -hmm. kind of really common response and well I'm li we're living with this you know um but it has had a massive impact on our connection and I think that's one of the words that I use all the time is our connection, connection. with mm -hmm. ourselves and others living with whatever mm -hmm. we're living with yeah and how how do you how would you support somebody who came to you and said I've just lost all my confidence because of what's mm. happened to me do you find that to be a common thing that, mm. that comes up really common yeah really I think that's something that I experienced um yeah you kind of just think yeah. wait what am I able to do now definitely and, and you, you everything that you're facing everything that's in front of you seems a lot more scary at the time definitely and I at this moment Elsa I'm, I'm desperate to ask you how you did it exactly exactly and this is the woman who is doing this podcast and with Jade you know, <laughs> sending me links about how to do a podcast which I've never done before yeah. <laughs> and, uh, doing all these wonderful events and posting anyway so yeah so so it's very natural for for our for our sense of identity i think you mentioned that word earlier yes. in this chat being kind of altered and shifted we don't mm. lose our fundamental selves you know we don't lose our our younger playful selves we don't use our teen self we don't lose our lose should i say um any part of ourselves but it really can feel like we have so so confidence is again easily wobbled and especially mm. with something of you know that's a big thing you know yeah. that's a big thing who am I is the old sort of question within therapy I'm finding myself and I'm yeah. finding myself as a changed human as well because these life experiences do change us they do and um but I'm such a believer in locating, and it's often the small stuff, the small wins, you know, listening to, trying to encourage our inner critic to be less critical, mm -hmm. trying to encourage our inner voice to really celebrate the fact that today I was able to get up, I'm not saying I in the eye sense, you know, was able to get up and have my breakfast and pace myself with my fatigue. And yeah, then I had to have a nap, but that was actually me, me preserving my, my levels of energy. And, and it's, you know, the word acceptance I struggle with because it's such a big one, isn't it? And how yeah. to just launch into that place. You can't, you have to, you have to learn new ways of being I think um it's an interesting question and one yeah. that I probably haven't got the answer to <laughs> yeah. I have one more word that I'm thinking of that's come up when we've been chatting is um can you speak on the concept of of grief around mm. loss of your mm. own self yeah that's a such a powerful powerful word isn't it mm. and and I'm so interested in this area of yeah of, work within within life because you know the level of <clears throat> loss we feel is the level of love we felt you know and mm. that isn't about 
losing a parent because we know grief comes in all sorts of masks and guises doesn't it it's about changing job role identity I mean my, my mm-hmm. dad had to recover some sense of self from leading a secondary school in Luton to sitting on the chair all day you yeah. know and I where think- was his self you know his self was in his music in theatre in sport um, where was his self and <clears throat> we have to you know the whole sort of I believe the whole therapeutic process is a is a process and grief in itself is a process Mm. we live in a society that's very keen on quick fixes I think I said that already but it kind of wants a solution my therapist said to me the other week she said there aren't solutions for everything whoa (laughs) well hang on a minute I'm not sure I feel about that um (laughs) we explored it you know we explored it because that that's absolutely how it is sometimes there isn't a one fix magic wand type experience and processing the losses feeling the losses I think that's where therapy can be so useful that you you know it's a proportionate and appropriate response isn't it to feel loss and to feel so so yeah grief stricken with with the changes that people have had to make or um endure or um and it isn't it isn't all doom and gloom it really isn't I wouldn't be in this job if it if it was you know it it wouldn't be right for anybody but um it's about the change and the adaptation and the small wins and the the letting it out you know our society with grief is not great you know we're we're still in Victorian times of stiff upper lip I'm fine Yes, I've, I've just lost everything in my life. I'm absolutely fine. Oh. You know, how can we be? We can't be. And I, I'm a great advocate for wailing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or feeling it or finding a route for expressing it, finding mm-hmm. a route that might be journaling, that might be talking to your best mate and having a glass of wine and crying about it. It might be. It's different for everybody. And I think the bringing the feelings out and shining a light on them and um, not sort of pushing them down and hoping they'll go away or hoping that we'll be, you know, back to where we were. I'm not going to be 21 again. You know, I'm 58. I'm not going to be in that place again. Um, So we have an element of change throughout our whole lives, don't we? And um, I remember a previous therapist once said to me, change happens all the time, and I almost had a panic attack. It's interesting. (laughs) We're not good at change, you no, know. It's, yeah, we aren't. <laughs> yeah, really tough, but process, feeling, expression, discharging the the emotions, seeing that they're there for a reason. Does that make yeah. any sense? Yeah, <clears throat> totally. And um, you work with a lot of families and parents of people mm-hmm. with cavernoma. Um, what can you say about how having the genetic form of cavernoma in particular impacts? the mental and emotional health of families and parents because that's a, a different yeah. dynamic. To it is a different individual. dynamic. Yeah. yeah, it's that house guest again. It's great Aunt Mabel again. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't just move its suitcases into a parent's room. It might actually go and visit the young person yeah. as well, which is so emotive, so laden with strong feelings, so laden with stuff, you know, as a as a parent, our, our duty to care for. And the word, the word guilt comes into it. It's a word that we explore a lot within the therapeutic process. And the reminder that no, none of us have done this 
to the people that we love. You know, of course we haven't, um, but it's very real and it can be very, very raw. And and I think, but equally, you know, just just knowing enough about the Kaffir community and seeing young people that are also affected by this genetic condition when it can when it can be genetic um, and seeing their light and their soul and their and I'll say achievements I mean achievements um, I don't mean it with a big a you know we're not all going to be prime minister or that. <laughs> Maybe we should. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, their their achievements and their zest for life and their love for life. And I, I think actually young people can teach us a hell of a lot as adults. You know, I really do. Young people tend to jump in and out of puddles. That's kind of like an analogy that's used in Winston's Wish, which is about loss and grief as an organisation. And um, they jump into a puddle as deep as an adult in terms of their feelings around stuff. But they are good at jumping out because they They've got their creative play-based resources that helped when they were one, two, three, four, five, six that they can draw on. And I think as adults, we can probably learn a hell of a lot about ourselves from our younger selves, our own selves, and also other young people. And again, not toxic positivity, not, well, you know, you're strong enough to cope with this young person, you know, you're, 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 it's meant to be because, because you are the type of person who can deal with it. We must, we must change that sort of language. We must, um, yeah. And I think, I think communication around all aspects of this within the family dynamic, and we have done, you know, group, group sessions, family sessions, couple sessions where the opportunity to talk about it because everybody's experience of it is unique and different within that dynamic and communication. The big C is <laughs> it's really hard, really hard, because actually we just want to have a pizza and watch Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> you know, but um, and that comes and goes, that ebbs and flows. And again, the young person might be on their own journey with it. That will be very different from the adult's journey with it. Um, and I think, you know, a word that I really, really love is hope. I I. I know it's a big one, but it has to be present, doesn't it, in in our human condition, in our human condition. That sound too vague? Well, I think um, it's really kind of interesting and refreshing how you discuss and talk about all of those words. And it kind of makes me reflect, you know, acceptance and grief for kind of the reasons that I came to you for therapy after yeah. 12 years since diagnosis you know it's a really long time yeah um but then that's also linked to the fact that at 17 I was diagnosed which you know I still feel like that was I was quite young for that and I did yeah. jump in and out of the puddles as you use yeah. as an analogy for that long um and then interestingly after I had been seeing you a while then I found that the daughter's got cavernomas yeah, and it kind yeah. of you know it all links together doesn't it it does all and it's, yeah. I just find that or I have found that it is really important to have therapy for any reason you yeah. know with me I didn't think I needed therapy at all mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was only talking to Joe, the CEO of CAUK and she said I think it would help you and I kind mm-hmm. of went oh okay <laughs> yeah. um, and you have taught me to the big c word communication you've definitely taught me better you know <laughs> how to use that better 
Um, mm. So thank you. <laughs> no, it's, it's um, a pleasure, Jade. And communication comes on all levels, doesn't it? It's about our emotional communication that all of us need practicing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so another question from me. Mm-hmm. Um, we've spoken a lot about people that have cavernomas, um, but do you find that carers reach out to you as well? Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's that's a huge area of potential work within, within the cavernoma community and um, within carers across the country. I would describe myself as a carer up until recently for my very elderly mum and you know the support out there for carers is is limited and I think sometimes carers might put themselves on the bottom of the of a pile and I'm not saying that um, that's always the case at all because I think we can all do that I think parents can do that I think children can do that I think dads can do that I think men can do that you know I'm on the bottom of the pile and I think um the, the carer agenda for me personally as a therapist is massively, massively important and talking therapies connected to that. I did some work with Derbyshire Carers. Um, it was a short project and there wasn't any further funding, but that's again where we end up, isn't it? There's not enough funding um, to support to support carers with their emotional journey of this so yeah carers do reach out I would say currently not as much as people with the diagnosis um, but I absolutely know that everybody's well-being within this dynamic is crucial yeah it's crucial absolutely yeah and we just thought it would be quite fun well maybe for Jade and I (laughs) to put you on the spot a little bit with some quick fire questions you think I've got one word answer to anything (laughs) no no well no you don't, they don't have to be one word, but I just. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm noticing in my body my increased heart. Rate. <laughs> I'm feeling very relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, so the first question I have for you is, what would you say to someone who said they were too scared to get help from a therapist? I'd say connect with an initial hello and find out more oh, because we're that. human. We're human. Oh, I love that. That is a great <laughs> answer. There's laughter. There's cups of tea. It's a relational one. It's I'm a human. You're a human. Wearing yeah. <laughs> the space to share exactly what you wish to, and it's not a medicalized experience. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It is. It is a yeah. different type of relationship. It is. Um, and you don't. You don't always enter. You know. There's many sessions with you, Robin, where I. Exactly entered saying oh, I don't have anything to talk about and then we've had the hour of chatting <laughs> exactly. yeah. hang on because <laughs> you bring whatever you need to and, and then it emerges with my my kind of wanting to just poke a tiny bit deeper but very safely because you're always in control of the situation it's I'm never going to make anyone do anything that they don't wish to or talk about anything that they don't wish to because it has to be has to be right yeah, I also I also think that sometimes the days where you think that you don't have anything to talk about are the days that perhaps you make the most progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my experience anyway. I agree, yeah. absolutely. So even if and it doesn't think... all have to be about cavernoma, 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 exactly. How I'm talking about myself, how I feel, mm-hmm. and yeah. exactly so, that all kind of loops into one side. It does. Yeah, it, it does. does. It's all linked, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, so my quick question, which might not be quick, but <laughs> um, what would be the number one piece of advice that you would give to someone who is struggling to come to terms with living with cavernomas? 
it's going to be the same word again, I'm afraid. It's connect. Okay. It's connect with self, connect with others, connect with what you enjoy and what has always helped in your life because there will be those things. And um, again, it's not that quick fix magic wand. It's about bringing this into the open, Yeah. however we do that. Yeah, and, and interestingly... And that is a word I think that just hearing you say that sparked a thought in my mind that I think I was only able to fully connect with my truest form of myself mm-hmm. after after having dealt with all the cavernoma stuff and mm-hmm. after having s- started with therapy I think that was the time yeah. where I was I felt the most myself once I'd and I connected to myself, I should say. Yeah, in that wonderful. Process. Yeah, you too. Honestly, <laughs> chatting away. <laughs> we can talk for hours. Thing. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and and then just lastly, what have mm-hmm. you learned about yourself from working with the Cavernoma community? If anything. <laughs> oh my gosh! If anything. <laughs> oh my god! It's uh, again. I'll try and be as quick as I can. No, so 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 much okay myself therapy is a two-way interaction that's why Mm -hmm. we have supervision that's why we have you know continued training that's why we have because you're affected by people's journey and story and you need to know how to manage that within yourself safely and keeping yourself safe as well but I think I have I have learned the words I came up with tenacity resourcefulness resilience creativity humor how to carry something that can't be fixed I love that quote Um, it's been a huge life-affirming experience for me and when I I deeply hope will continue in some shape or form. And I learned something from every single client I work wow. with. Was every, every single, every single mm-hmm. client. Uh, two human, two very different humans coming together. Yeah. And it's the two-way. It's what happens in the space in between, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Between myself and the person on Zoom or wherever we're meeting or whatever we're doing. It's what happens in that space in between. It has a powerful impact two-way and um it's a yeah it's the job that I knew I was always going to do that is an absolutely oh. beautiful answer it is <laughs> it's amazing well thank you so much for joining us it's Robin I, I just have to say I've absolutely loved this chat and um, it's been nice for me as me I felt too. like it's been a bit yeah. of a for me, it's been a. It feels like it's been a bit of like a, a top up of therapy for me, like retouching on all the themes that came up in my experience. And I feel like I needed the reminder, and I feel nice yeah. and calm and rounded. Yeah, <laughs> me, me too. Yeah, me too. And you know, sometimes we can just get into the habit of doing doing what we do, can't we? And I feel mm-hmm. energized. And sometimes at the beginning of the session, we can feel a bit oh, a bit tired today, I'm a bit this, but I guarantee by the end we're going to feel something different. Do you know? Yeah. yeah. And I personally, after this experience, feel really energized. I was nervous beforehand. Mm-hmm. I would have gone and hid under my bed if I could get under it. But, oh, <laughs> all my tools were under there, so I couldn't get under it. <laughs> oh, well, it's been it's been so lovely having you. So thank you so much for giving it's us your time. You um, and I hope you know if the only thing that anybody gets from this is actually I I'm going to go and have therapy then yeah. we've done our job we <laughs> promise because we all have haven't we and yeah. I continue to have so go for it yeah we promise it's not scary it's, it's definitely really enjoyable. not it's really enriching and yeah we hope that this chat's helped helped our listeners yeah. with whatever they've yeah. been struggling with so thank yeah. you so much Robin it's a pleasure yeah. go well both humans thanks Bye so much, much.
and then so everybody can communicate and connect yeah. and the two thank C's. you the two C's thank you so much bye. thank you Robin bye bye bye, bye. 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 bye.